Hey everyone, welcome to the Cattleman You Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K-Rose Company and Cattleman You. Through our conversations here, we share the latest ideas and techniques to help you start, improve, and expand your farmer ranch. Join us as we visit with industry experts and cattle producers to get honest ins and outs of beef production. We'll dive into topics such as cattle handling, nutrition, cattle markets, genetics, and so much more. We encourage everyone who's involved in the industry to listen. Let's dive in. Today we have Jeff with us. Jeff, thank you so much for joining. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your business to get us started? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm the president of a company called Capco Futures. And we focus on risk management strategies using a tremendous amount of data and advanced analytics specifically for the cattle producer. Uh, We obviously also work with other agricultural commodities, but our wheelhouse right now is really amongst cattle guys. I started out in the business on the grain side uh, after having traded at the Chicago Board of Trade and then starting my brokerage career downtown Chicago. And then after a couple of years, I moved into the ag world and worked for a large grain company and decided that the way that brokerage was being done, uh, in my opinion, for the ag producer was subpar. Producers were really often treated as a commission check. They were really being sold things all the time. And that's not the way that I like to buy. And so that certainly wasn't the way that I like to sell. So we started Capco in late 2019 as really a a solutions-oriented brokerage firm. And by that, I mean, we are using a lot of deep data analytics and really advanced tools like machine learning and software things, uh, so on and so forth, to come up with a really solid game plan for both producers and consumers anywhere along the ag supply chain. Before we kind of dive deep into some of the questions I have for you, talk to me about what segment of the industries can use risk management? Boy, that's that's really a loaded question. You know, across the board, if you have price risk, meaning your income is tied to the price of a commodity, whether it goes up or down, you could likely use the board to manage that risk. So whether you are cow-calf, you're a backgrounder, you are a feeder, you're a feedlot, you are a packer, anywhere along there, you have price risk. Feed mills, price risk, right? It's it's all over the place. And what we excel in doing is modeling that risk out and and really kind of doing a deep dive and helping a producer understand where that risk is and then what we can do to go and mitigate it. So it's, it's about identifying the risk and then mitigating it. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about the customers that you work with, obviously not individual customers, but are you guys, do you work with customers all throughout the U.S. or do you have kind of territories? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, we are we are coast to coast and then north to south. We have customers all over the place. And that's really, you know, a cool thing because we're able to get to know, you know, the, the local basis patterns um, really all across the country. So we have some uh, advisors here that you know will have a big cluster of clients in Nebraska and others in Texas, for example, and then we're able to bounce ideas and and get questions answered from each other. So yeah, we're we're all over the place. You know, basis is defined as the difference between the cash price and what the futures market is trading at right now. So you could look at that, and you often hear it as, you know, the basis is ten over. So that would be ten dollars per hundred weight over the board 
as an example. So if the board is trading at 130 per hundred weight, the cash price would be 140. So that's giving you your $10 basis. So everyone always wants to know about the market. And I know we're not going to dive deep into the market today, but can you give me just a current update about what is happening in the markets? Yeah. So, you know, the, the cattle market's been on an absolute tear lately, which is it's been great to see. We have a pretty interesting supply situation in that there are, you know, really a boatload of market ready animals with still limited packing capacity. What does that do for us long term? I guess that's that's probably the better question because what's going to happen in the short term, it looks like we may have already topped out here for the time being. But we do know that we will have a and let me say we don't know for sure, but you know, it's pretty safe to assume that the herd will decline in numbers over the next couple of years. That should lead to support of an elevated prices. So we do see higher prices for at least the next two years. Now, what's going to happen in the next six months? That's that's probably what guys want to know. And that's really the topical thing. We could break apart the price in a number of different ways. And when you think about why does price move and where does it stop, more importantly, you need to think about what actually causes just price movement in general, right? And it's nothing more than people, right? So you're you're buying and selling based on, in agricultural commodities, generally hedging needs. It's really nice in the cattle markets because it's a pretty narrow market. There's not a whole ton of outside speculative interest like there would be in crude oil or gold, for example. So most everybody that's in the cattle market knows a thing or two about it, and they're participating for a reason. So the two things that we really like to preach that we look at would be what is the break even for somebody that's finishing cattle right now? Because if the market is well above somebody's break even, that will lead to hedging. If it's well below, they have no need to hedge because they don't want to lock in that price. And so at the moment, the break even for cattle for the next, probably about the next month here, really until like maybe the second week of September is going to head lower. You know, we'll go from about a dollar twenty-two right now down to about a dollar nineteen over the next couple of weeks. That will lead to natural hedging pressure as price moves away from that break even or as that break even moves away from the current price. So that tends to keep a cap on things. But then once we get out to September and October, those break evens move up to about 124, 125. That should generally lead the market higher. At the same time, we have enormous packer margins right now. You know, we're talking about an excess of a thousand dollars a head on board margins. And so whenever we see that, we do tend to see quite a bit of, of demand and buying in this, right? So yeah, overall, maybe a little bit of a dip now and then back into higher prices for the month of the, the second half of September through middle of October. What happens between then and the end of the year? That's anybody's guess. But over the next couple of years, the market, we think, will generally be supported. Great. We just had two big sales here kind of in the West, the Superior sale and that Northern sale. Northern sale wrapped up just yesterday. I think that there was a lot of positive things. I mean, a lot of really good things that happened. There was certainly some opportunity in the market. I talked to a, a cattle feeder in Canada last night, and he said the same thing. He said, I kind of had to pick around the edges, but I definitely was able to get some things bought that made sense. Talk to me a little bit about if a cow-calf producer is considering mitigating some of this risk, what questions can they ask themselves or what questions should they think about to decide if it's time to contact a broker or a brokerage firm and, and start a conversation? Is there a number of head that they need to think about? 
walk through all those thoughts. Yeah. So the the nice thing is there's risk management tools. Um, I'll preface this with there's risk management tools for any size operation. You know, as far as the you know like a minimum number of head for a cow calf, I I'd say if you're 200 or better, you're probably a good candidate for brokerage at that point. If you're under that, uh, maybe some of the new insurance products because you could buy insurance on unborn calves now. But the thing that you want to ask yourself when you're saying should I hedge right now is how much money am I able to make at the current market price? And you know that that'll obviously be whatever deferred contract month that lines up with. But if you are able to make, you know, either your profit goal or you're able to make, let's say, fifty percent above your average, you know, whatever metric you define for yourself, that's probably one you want to look at locking things in. And then we have a number of things we could do that allow additional upside. The core strategy for us is always going to be locking in margin. And and that's a really key point that if you don't mind me uh, taking a moment here to touch on, um, I'd like to go over is that, you know, when you're, when you're marketing, you need to be doing it for margin. Don't look at price and try to predict where price is going to go. Worry about how much money you're able to make on these animals and then come up with your strategy from there. Don't base your strategy based on what you think the market will do. That's a huge distinction. That's something that we see probably 80, 90% of the people that we that start with us, we believe they've been doing wrong. And then they they tend to come and, and see it our way and start with our method and our program. And it's, it's really stress-free for them. Then the only thing that you have to worry about is making sure you have a good enough relationship with your banker where you know we can margin positions accordingly because the profit's going to be the same. It's just a matter of having the credit. Absolutely. I actually have the same conversation oftentimes with people about people will say things to me such as, well, I lost money this year and I'll kind of probe a little and say, well, how do you know? They only say, well, I made, you know, my calves brought less than they did last year. And obviously that doesn't look like that's the case this since we're 10 to 15 cents higher or this year, but I get really frustrated with that comment because profitability actually doesn't really have to do with the exact price you got for your calves or the cattle. It has to do with a bunch of other factors. And one year can look much different than the other year. And so if a rancher thinks that way, and they want to kind of switch over to the method you just talked about, how do you change your mindset? What are some ways that you can start thinking about things differently? Yeah, so this is this is really an interesting one. And, and maybe this is me having the benefit of, you know, of being a suburban kid and not growing up on a farm, but I'm able to disassociate myself from the romance of agriculture. And I know that's a tough thing. You know, my grandfather was a farmer and, uh, you know, my, my dad just didn't continue in it, but I've been able to disassociate myself with, you know, the romance of it, the, the lifestyle of it, which I completely understand. And the thing that a producer I believe needs to do is to think of themselves, not, not themselves, but their, their operation no matter what type it is, as a manufacturing business. Because ultimately, that's what you do, right? You have inputs and you have an output, and your job is to capture as much room in the middle there as you can with that margin. And so, you know, when, when you make that shift in mindset, everything then becomes easier because you can just look at things uh, very objectively. And, you know, does this make sense financially? Yes or no, right? And kind of have a set of rules or an algorithm, if you will. Um, that tells you how to operate your business. That's personally, you know, with my brokerage business, that's that's how I operate my business itself, not even our trading decisions or anything like that, but the business it's, I have a set of rules and systems and processes. And 
you know, you ask yourself the series of yes or no questions and then you branch out from there. And I think it's the same with livestock marketing, you know, because the market doesn't care if you're making money or not. It's your job to pay attention to that. And then when the opportunity is there, you need to be able to take it. Now, you know, one interesting thing with that, right, you know, specifically for cow-calf guys, is if you have good opportunity right now, but, you know, the, they won't be calved for another, you know, whenever, right? You're, you're looking at uh, something for the spring there. We can lock in a futures price at any given time. We can manage things from there. We can manage the spreads between the contract months. Those all have seasonal patterns that tend to work out pretty reliably year over year. That's the thing. You need, you need to be on your marketing game 365 days a year. So the, the two big things, right? Be on your game all the time, always on your toes, and then try to systematize uh, how you operate your business from a marketing standpoint, at least. That's great advice. Have you taken a deep dive into what it takes to run a kettle operation like a business? Can you feel lost when it comes to financial terminology and understanding the cattle market? Well, you're not alone. Cattleman U has created the Cattleman U Profit Finder focused on understanding your operation as business. This six-part series will give you access to speakers like Shaley Stewart that help you gain confidence in all things business and markets. Join the waitlist today at cattlemanulive.com slash profitfinder. Talk to me a little bit about weather, how weather plays into some of these markets and when we're looking at long-term forecasts and the correlation between the two. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to start with, um, you know, the grain markets on this one because that's where it's most evident. Um, and then what usually happens in the grain markets will then filter through uh, with the exception of, of feeders usually. So, you know, like, let's look at corn specifically. And one thing that's really interesting over the last four or five, maybe six years relative to before that is the market has kind of transitioned from this building in risk premium well ahead of time based on forecasts to now being in this place where it's saying, okay, show me. I know that it's going to be dry on the forecast or it's going to be too wet, whatever it may be. But until that actually happens, we're not going to react. You know, we're not going to get overly excited about it. That's a big distinction that a change that's happened over the last couple of years that not everybody is totally caught up to yet. So the markets now will react after the fact, not based on forecasts anymore. In the spring months, you know, winter and spring, when we start looking at seasonal forecasts and things that are more climatology than meteorology, that's when we can start building plans. And so the way that I look at weather from a far out perspective is I'm first going to say, okay, what's happening with climatology, right? Are we El Nino, La Nina, for example, where are we in that cycle? Uh, You know, where's the MJO, things of that nature. And then I'm going to use that information and say, is there opportunity for interesting things to happen? Or is this going to be a relatively benign weather year on the whole, right? We obviously can't predict it, you know, with any unusually high accuracy so far out, but I'm going to look at those things and say, is there opportunity for things to get kind of screwy down the line? And the last few years, the answer has been yes. Another thing that plays a big part in that, by the way, is where we are uh, in both the lunar and solar cycles. So that that's really one of the things that came into play last year. 
before I go too deep down that one, you know, we're looking at will things have the opportunity to get interesting. And then you start to just kind of zoom in, right? You zoom in each successive step. You know, the, the part that kind of stinks is that the weather has to happen before the market moves now. So it takes some of the, the fun out of trading it um, and being able to capture opportunities by being a better forecaster, let's say, than somebody else. It, it doesn't make much difference anymore, unfortunately. And maybe that wasn't exactly your question, but if we, you know, take that a step further, right? And, you know, obviously drive, you know, well, anything less than ideal for that matter, right? Anything less than ideal in the grain markets is generally going to get a reaction out of them. And that's going to be more important when you enter key growing periods. So, uh, you know, right now, I mean, this very moment for Midwestern soybeans, for example, but beginning to middle of June, we start looking at the forecast for corn pollination, uh, once we get out to the end of June, 4th of July, that's the make or break time. And so the markets will become far more sensitive to the weather during pollination than it will be two weeks before and certainly two weeks after. So you need to understand where we are in the importance of weather as well and the effects that it can have on the market. Now, if we end up with things that are you know, prolonged, right, prolonged drought, uh, that's going to have those effects in the livestock markets uh, as a direct result. Rather than let's say it's hot during it's too hot during corn pollination, price of corn goes through the roof, and that brings feeders with it, or that that tanks feeders rather. Yeah, that's fascinating information. One thing I always hear, and I'm sure you hear it too, is, "Well, I've been in the tractor, so I haven't been watching the markets, and I don't really know what's going on." So, can you talk about? the ways, I mean, we don't have to listen to the noon radio anymore. No. Can you talk about the best ways for people to watch the market, how often you recommend, you know, if there are players in the market that they're watching it and looking, some things like that. Yeah. And so this is, this is kind of an interesting point where a lot of people will disagree with me. A lot of people will probably get angry at me say, man, this guy's a jerk. There's two parts to this. One is that you need to, if you're going to be in agriculture, the markets are part of your job, plain and simple. If you have price exposure and you don't know what price is doing, shame on you. You have no excuse, right? And there's no way around that. There's no way around that at all. The other side of this is, you know, let's say uh, the news, right? I have, I have clients call me up and say, oh, did you see this on RFT TV? Or did you read this on AgWeb or this, that, and the other? And the answer is usually no, because you know there's a lot of people out there that their whole job is to just sell the news and sell opinions. And if you're taking a data-driven and oriented approach to marketing, which we're strong believers in, you don't really need to pay attention to all that stuff. So as far as what's happening in the news, it's good to be aware, but you don't have to be right on top of it. As far as what prices are, and if that's going to impact your business, your positions that you have on, you absolutely have to pay attention to that. You know, and that's not to say that you have to be sitting in front of a screen like I do and watching them all day long. But, you know, maybe every couple of hours, right? The trading day is just a few hours long. And it's akin to me saying, well, I was taking a client golfing, so I couldn't give you a call and get you out of your position. So now you're stuck with it. Sorry. You know, there's no excuse for that. And and vice versa. I would agree. I think that Nowadays with technology, right, you can find anything out 
at any time. It's fascinating how easy it is for us to have information. Talk to me a little bit about specifics of the market. So I often hear people um, wondering, you know, what time it opens, what time it closes, if it's limit up, what that looks like, when do they extend the limit? So give a little bit of background on just the markets in general and how they function. Sure. The livestock markets specifically, and we'll start here because there's different trading hours for different markets. So cattle markets are open from 8.30 to 1.05 and that's central time. So yeah, it's a very short day when you really look at it that way. There's no overnight session. Each tick, each quarter of a cent is worth $10. A contract of live cattle, this is the part that gets confusing. A contract of live cattle is 40,000 pounds. A contract of feeder cattle is 50,000 pounds. Now we can go into a lot of different details here, but just some of the the very basic broad strokes, right? They trade in different contract months. Um, And so the idea is that you're matching up your contract month with your production schedule. You are matching up the number of futures contracts that you need based on the finished weight of those animals. Or, you know, if you're, if you're, finishing cattle, right? And you're buying feeder cattle, selling live cattle. You have two things that you need to match up there. And then you add, you know, the the feed side of that in there, right? You have that whole dynamic. Now the grain markets will trade on a different schedule. They'll start trading at seven o'clock PM and they will trade <laughs> pretty much through the next day until 1.20 PM. There's a small break in the morning, but call that seven to one 1.20 the next day. And uh, grain contracts are 5,000 bushels for most of them. Great. I often tell people, well, we'll bid on, you know, the cattle or the feeder wants to bid when the board closes or, you know, we sell some yearlings, we market some yearlings that they're hedged. And so we trade them after so he can get out of his position. I think being on the West Coast time, we forget, well, West Coast or Mountain, we forget how early the boards close yeah. and how quick that day really does end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of action. It's very condensed and things can get really, you know, really unusual. You know, you, you mentioned uh, limit up and limit down. And that's something that short of a few times over the last couple of years, we hadn't seen for a while until last year during COVID. And what, what it means when a market is limit up or limit down is that we've hit the maximum amount of price movement allowable by the exchange in a day. And the reason they put the, and it, it, it's different for every market, by the way, but the reason that they put these limits on there is because they don't want somebody going and cornering the market, uh, like the movie Trading Places or like the Hunt Brothers did with silver in the 80s, right? Where they you, you could just run away with the market. And so it's meant to preserve, you know, what they would say is the, the, the sanctity of price discovery and making sure that the price is an accurate representation of what's actually happening across the country in the cash market, because all that these futures contracts are is a representation uh, and and effectively an estimation of what the cash price will be in certain periods of time. Now, this is a great time, Caroline, if you want to start talking about it, about the big plans that we have here. Yeah, absolutely. That is just something I was going to tell everyone. We are partnering with Capco on a futures market and hedging webinar that is coming up towards the Um, early October. And our goal with this is, I feel like this is a huge opportunity for um, producers of all levels. It's really good information. And I just didn't feel like there was something that was kind of ground level. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start with the basics. And 
how it affects operations. I mean, I often hear people say, well, I'm just a cow-calf producer, so I don't really need to watch the board. Or, well, you know, I just run a few yearlings. I don't really, I'm not involved in that. That's the feeders world. And so we've decided to come together and partner on a webinar that we will be offering. And we're really excited to bring some knowledge, both from the market side and just what I've learned and buying cattle in the country in the sale barn and how they work together and figuring out break-evens and all of that. And so, um, Jeff, why don't you tell a little bit about what you guys will be talking about in that webinar? Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this and, and you're absolutely right. There is really not a lot of information out there where it gives you that ground level, as you said, that ground level understanding of how the futures and options markets work, specifically with how they interact with agricultural production and what somebody in the ag supply chain actually has to do, right? There's a lot out there about how to trade and trying to make money and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to, you know, the nuts and bolts and how does this affect your operation? How does it work with managing risk? There's not a lot out there. So we're going to start really basic with this and, you know, literally define what is a futures contract. We'll start with that. We'll talk about the contract specs, where you can go to get quotes, uh, understanding everything that you're reading there. So we're going to lay that basic groundwork that way you're absolutely comfortable with all the stuff that you hear about when people are talking about futures. And then we'll take it a step further and talk about options. Options are, you know, really just a, a, a derivative basically of futures. So it's giving you the right, but not the obligation to buy something or sell something. And so we'll talk about how those work, how the pricing structure works and what that means for your risk management plan. But then we're going to start getting advanced. And this is the part that's really exciting because this is where we hit the things that just plainly people aren't doing right now. And so we'll talk about understanding your margins. And that's really paramount, right? We'll look at some historical margin examples. We'll look at how to calculate your margin for, for what's finishing now, for things that you may be buying. We'll give you a template for how to make something to take to the sale barn with you and be able to just kind of click off what you'll be making on those animals. We're also going to talk about the risks that you face as a feeder. We're going to talk about basis risk. And then the big thing is we're going to introduce the concept of delta hedging and show you how that works. And that right there is probably the most impactful thing that one as a producer, I think, could understand. And, you know, once you get that, it's, it's really a whole new world. One thing I'm really excited about in this partnership is, and I said it before, but I think a lot of people think, well, that's not important to me. Or I actually had a feeder say to me the other day, well, I just hire a broker and they do it all. And both of those statements are really dangerous because you need to understand the terminology they're using. You need to understand the opportunity. Anytime you bring anyone in, in your inner circle like that, and your broker is definitely in your inner circle, you should be educated enough to know those terms and to know what questions to ask. And so I think that this class really offers the opportunity for anyone in the spectrum in the industry who wants a little bit more knowledge, whether they're you know using a broker or not. This is just a great class to come to if you feel like there's more things you can learn about the market, about options, about hedging, any of that, come and learn from us. I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah, though, you're, you're absolutely right. Those are two really dangerous statements. Yeah, every time someone says that to me, I just 
I just know there's more out there. And as, especially as cow-calf producers, it's easy to just say, well, I just kind of take what the order buyer gives me and I'm happy with that. I think this next generation is going to change that too. And so I'm ready that we're going to start the conversation now and see how we can help them have a little bit more control about what they sell their product for. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So the last question that we have for you, Jeff, is what is one piece of advice that you would give someone in the livestock or grain industry? You know, I'm going to give you two different perspectives. And you know what, maybe just sort of one overarching statement for for that, for general life advice as well. That that, that overarching statement is always be skeptical. And and this segues better into the producer uh, and, and dovetails really well with what you just said about, well, I have my broker take care of that. You have to have ownership and have understanding. That's not to say that you have to understand how options work as well as I do, right? It's not what you do for a living. I get that. I can't do what you do as well as you do. But we have to understand each other, right? You need to understand what's happening in my world. I have to be able to understand what's happening in yours. So taking that ownership of the business side of your operation is, I think, paramount. Otherwise than that, you, you're just a price taker. And if you're just a price taker, you, you're not going to long-term succeed. Aside from with grains, for example, aside from specialty crops, you produce a commodity. And I mean, the definition of a commodity is it's the same. How do you win that game if you're making the same thing as everyone else? You have to be able to make it cheaper. And ultimately, over time, when everybody starts making something cheaper, the price of that commodity goes down, right? That's the case with corn, soybeans. It's going to be the price with cattle as well, because at the end of the day, I, I mean, I hate to say this, and it sounds very blunt, right? But unless it is you know, something unusual, it's beef, right? You go to the grocery store, and on the shelf, it's beef. They don't know who it's from, anything like that. It's just beef. Your job is going to be to most effectively manage that margin. So that means being able to sell it for as much as you can and produce it for as little as you can. That sounds super basic, I know. But if you're not thinking actively about how to accomplish both of those and paying attention to that that meat in the middle, as as we like to say, you're going to be behind the eight ball long term. Pay attention and take ownership. That's my advice to a producer. Now, my advice to somebody serving those producers, somebody on my side of the business, the most important thing I think anybody has to do when you're on in the service side of the business, now whether that's a broker or an agronomist or a merchandiser or you know whatever, is you always need to be thinking about how you can remove friction with your clients and prospects. And that friction can come in a number of different ways. How do you make it easier for them to understand what you're trying to tell them? How do you make it easier for them to transact with you, right? Put yourself in their shoes and say, who would I want to work with? What do they do for me? And if you can't answer, you know, what that relationship does for your customer, there too, you're well behind the eight ball. You know, a a lot of people, especially, you know, especially younger people that come into it, you know, right out of college where they're getting into it just because, well, I have to get a job now because I'm done with college. So it's the next thing I do with my life. They're not necessarily thinking about things like that. And the really tough thing about the agricultural business is that group of people tends to be the ones that are are most customer facing. You know, the the younger ones are the most are, are, are out there with the customer most and calling on the customer most. And it's 
not everybody, but a lot of people in that group aren't thinking about what they could do for the customer. They're either thinking about, well, what can they do for me? How can I make my commission? How can I make my sales goal? Or, you know, let me tell you about what my company does or something like that, right? It's get to the core of it. What, what problem are you trying to solve for somebody and accurately solve that problem? And when you do that, you know, if you're serving, you get all the business in the world. You're right about that serving piece. And Dave Ramsey, who some people love Dave Ramsey and some people don't, but he always says there's two pieces to every equation. There's income and there's expenses. And a lot of time we're only focused on one. And I think in agriculture, we are very focused on the income piece. And we often forget that the expense piece plays just as big of a role as the income piece. It's huge. I mean, if, there, if there's any one word that I'd like your listeners to take away from me today, it's the word margin. Manage the margin. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the people who do that well, you see them growing. And the people who don't, you see them staying put or um, selling their operation. It's a matter of what the goals for you and your family are for the next few years. So Thanks so much, Jeff. We're excited to partner with you on this upcoming class. And I think this episode will be really helpful to our listeners as they are starting to navigate the markets and understand this piece of the industry that for a long time felt like a foreign language. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. I I hope it was helpful and we hope to see you guys in that course. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at cattlemanulive.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to review when you get there. We are excited to learn alongside you and remember the grass is greener where you water it.